0: Another SOTA Hour podcast uh, is being recorded now, and I am delighted to have a bit of a different take on the kind of conversations we usually have and very inward looking within the sector. As a former estate agent myself, don't shoot me, I know. Um, I am really pleased to be um, interviewing Kevin from London New Homes Network. So, welcome, Kevin.
1: Thank you. Very exciting. Very Uh, modern.
0: It is really modern. And um, just for you listeners to get an understanding of kind of how modern this is and how un-estate agency-like this is, I'm um, with Kevin in their very lovely sunny office in Marlborough and this is like a whole radio setup we've got. So we're even using their systems and their tech. So thank you very much for having me. Pleasure um kevin um for for those that that follow social hour they will have seen you pop up um, and engage and get really involved in some of the debates which that is exactly what we want and we're so pleased that, that you do that so um those that have seen will probably see that he's not shine um coming forward so hopefully we'll get a good chat today um kevin do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about what the London Homes Network is, what you guys do, um, rather than just for them to think you are just an estate agent.
1: Well, first of all, um, so we set the Land and New Homes Network up about three and a half years ago now, mm-hmm. and the idea was to work with independent estate agents um, to help them develop and grow a profitable land and new home side to their business. Estate agency sort of very much under attack, mm-hmm. onliners fees, all the usual stuff, yeah. um, so we're really trying to help growth. Where we've got to, where we've really sort of tried to champion is one around that to work with house builders and housing associations are only tradable in our negotiations is that we've got to deliver land. Yeah. So we, we get our, our, our point around that. And I think one of the things that's been really prolific for me over the last couple of years is just how how, in, how much more engaged the sector of housing associations has been. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I suppose importantly, from a landowner's point of view, how competitive they've been in the bid process. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, in getting a deal done, you know, it's been a good, good sector to try and work with, mm-hmm. um, obviously fulfilling lots of needs, etc. The big bit for me, particularly around So Chat Hour, has been, I see there's a lot of mixed messages around what the interpretation of shared ownership is. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we're, we're recording this a day after a So Chat Hour <laughs> than the previous night, uh, where I very fully sort of stuck my foot right in it. And... Uh,
0: well, I wouldn't say stuck your foot right in it. I think this is why part of the reason we created Socha Hour was that we didn't just want another echo chamber. So we are we are happy and we want those debates. We want um, difference of opinions because if we are going to educate, like you said, and, and really destigmatise a lot of it and, and get some real understanding we need to understand what people don't understand and we equally need to be comfortable enough to have those uncomfortable conversations which you quite clearly are.
1: (laughs) Yeah look I think from my point of view um, you know we work with hundreds of estate agents offices across the UK Uh um, so just short of 450 uh, branch locations so you times that by the amount of staff that are in there and whilst our voice won't always be heard by each and every one of them, we're certainly in touch very much with the, uh, the business owners mm-hmm. and are really sort of trying to champion uh, the whole shared ownership uh, model. Mm-hmm. Um, and largely that's because I think the estate agency sector, what it was very slow to do over the years, is looking at this whole client-for-life mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, so not the sort of, you know, back in the day, probably when you were doing agency and I was, of sort of... I'm not that old. Well, Come on. Thanks very much. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, that sort of piece around um, the buyer comes in, we do a deal or we don't do a deal and it's like right clear off onto the next. Well, it's that that mentality, I think, for progressive agents has massively changed. So particularly now you've only got to look at some of the acquisitions that have been done in the estate agency sector. You know, um, big businesses are buying estate agency business based off the back of their lettings book, yeah. of their land and new homes book. So when we start looking at tenants particularly... And we look at the reason why they're in private um, private rental mm-hmm. versus perhaps some form of of ownership. It's I don't think your average letting agent even asks the question of why.
0: And I think we'll come on to that in a bit. I think around skills and mindsets and 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 where shared ownership actually sits on people's radar. I think what um, I'd like to kind of explore a little bit is this. Notion and and you know I I sit there as well and I, I sit there as a former agent and I sit there in your offices with an agent, um but the last thing I want to do is appoint an agent. Mm.
1: Um, i got to change your mind.
0: That. <laughs> and that is because you know as a sector we've had to upskill our own teams. We've had to. Kind of become those agents, and I think the more progressive HAs out there have actually gone out and sought that private sector skills and talent and brought that in house. So you said, I mean, you've got a massive, massive range of agency nationwide that you that you work with in a part of your network. Are they seeing the same? kind of barriers to ha sales teams wanting or not wanting to engage with them
1: i think i think look, it's very common there's a common um theme it's not just the housing association sector it's mm-hmm. the house builder sector as okay. well so um particularly when you're getting into some of the big plc house builders which are you know historically been very um direct sale led mm-hmm. um that works fine to a point point. Okay. and i think that point um has certainly changed, particularly in the last couple of years where the market's hardened. Mm -hmm. Um, We track a lot of data around, you know, how well some of these house builders are performing. Are they sitting on stock or whatever? And I think where we get to, particularly from, you know, our our map of the world of the the route in, I believe that the route in, if we can demonstrate our value Mm -hmm. and we can demonstrate that we're treating the housing association seriously, particularly around land... Mm -hmm. Land and good quality development consultancy advice mm-hmm. I believe is where is where the place that the agent very much sits in there it doesn't have to be a one size fits all of oh can I sell your houses for you and can I you know can i can, I, can I have the mortgages and can I have the conveyancing yeah I think we're seeing you know one of our one of our members is working with a couple of housing associations over in Suffolk mm-hmm. um, what they're bringing to the table in terms of um, access to a level of database that may be you know that ha- that particular housing association isn't sitting on a massive waiting list of people that want to go and do that to option a purchase. Um, so I think there are, there are there's a there's a pick and mix if you like of options that the agent can bring, and I think there's interpretation on both parts of how that can be how they, how it can work. Yeah. But but collaboration, which is our core value,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think needs to those conversations need to be open a bit more.
0: I think we have certainly. Um shied away from and probably not the right thing to do actually because like you said there it's education around what shared ownership is so we've obviously got the national housing federation national campaign launched already and that's going out to heighten consumer awareness But then actually as a consumer if you're looking to move the first place you're going to go on is right move or you're going to go into your local agent. So for us to miss that part of the puzzle out and to not engage because we don't want to and we don't feel we're going to get a level of service that we we need is probably counterproductive because actually they're a big part of the education puzzle really.
1: Yeah I think this is where some of the agents are particularly deep rooted in their community. So if you you know, I put myself in my shoes with my kids, mm-hmm. as an example. So, 19-year-old daughter, 22-year-old son, son's at uni.
0: They're not moving um, out for ages, well, Kevin, Well, I'm, I'm
1: hoping they are. Um, but, you know, my, my sort of line on it is that if the, if in the market that they wanted to go and buy a property or to at least explore things, in the first instance, I want them to go and talk to a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. In the second instance, they need to go and start talking with some agents to actually mm-hmm. see what, what, options you know, what the options are. So, I think the piece... And we've tried to educate the agents very heavily on this, and they're very prepared to do this. So I think there's a, there is a misconception. They really want to understand this sector. Yeah. They want to understand it better. Um, they want it to become part of their DNA of their conversations because it's part of the market. It's mm-hmm. much more relevant or prevalent than it has been mm-hmm. before. So the more knowledge that you guys' as housing associations can share around what does good look like, what would you, you know, What's the sort of intel you'd like a buyer primed coming into your, you know, into your world, yeah. um, rather than out without necessarily not saying there is a stigma, but but you know to stop any sort of misconceptions mm-hmm. of how that is, and I genuinely think that, you know, from what we see, buyers are they are registering with the agents first of all, or they are going to right move, and there is a qualification process that's going on. Um,
0: and I think I think we are we are in the danger of missing out on that i think um where we probably need to try and educate and work together and like you say collaborate a lot more across the different sectors is that we would nat- or i would naturally i'm not speaking for the whole of um the shared ownership marketing fraternity but i would naturally want to engage with an agent when we can't sell it yeah so therefore we're well, already- we get that yeah we get it we're already starting in effect of a look from a failed position really so it's a case of look you know okay well you can have all the rubbish um and and actually it's around getting those relationships and and looking at what added value can happen because we also have the perception or again I should say I had the perception that well why would a an egg in an agent be bothered about you know 1% of a 25% share versus a bigger fee percentage. I think
1: it's back to the client for life. You know, mm-hmm. if we talk about a tenant, where does the ten if the tenant's going to move? And I'm not saying that all of your buyers are, are tenants, yeah. but let's say let's say that's their starting point that they've been in private rental, mm-hmm. um, and they've made this transition to want to get onto the ladder mm-hmm. and shared ownership is the right way in. Mm-hmm. Um, you want you know the agent is very comfortable to have those conversations. At the moment, they probably don't happen. And I think this is part of the fault on the on the fault of the agents uh, overall that tenants are just gen- generally viewed as a bit of a pain in the backside um, because they're they're moaning that you know the washing machines broke, um, they don't pay the rent on time or whatever whatever those perceptions or uh, right or wrong are actually happening. Whereas if we twist it and we show it, we've, there's very clear evidence around this when we shift change it to having much more positive dialogue around it, what the tenants' longer term ambitions are you know ultimately that tenant in 5 years 10 years 15 years time will be the very vendor that that agent's trying to go and you know win their house at you know 4 500 grand you know to get it on the market and what do you think they're going to be thinking if they've had a really bad experience 10 15 years before it's not good so i just think the estate agents community have got a lot lot more engaged around you know client for life
0: okay that's 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 i think reassuring for us, us to know and and for the guys to hear what, I think personally, Kevin, what what are your thoughts on shared ownership? And, and yeah, how do you feel about it?
1: I think I feel really positive about it. Um, it's probably why I got myself into a bit of, <laughs> a bit of, a bit of bother last night. Um, I think you know, I think you've got to put yourself in the shoes that you know, whenever we were lucky enough to buy our properties, um, you know, maybe the world was a different place. Um, you know, it's it's much tougher for younger people coming through um either based on average earnings or the length of time it takes to get a deposit maybe you're not fortunate enough to have the bank and mum and dad mm-hmm. um but just i think it's about this um being in a you know being in a place it's the place it's the placemaking so i, I want to settle down uh-huh. um you know and i see that a lot with a lot of youngsters you know see it with guys that work in our business um you know OK, you may be thinking at 21, 22, why are they thinking about buying a property? But they are. That's the way maybe their generation, their parents thought. Mm-hmm. They want, the, you know, they see that this is their time now. Um, they want to get on and do it. They don't want to just waste, you know, the next five years just dossing about or, or whatever. So they want to They want to get on with it. And I think when you sort of put yourself in that shoes or, you know, I look at it from a kid's point of view, mm-hmm. I think the shared ownership, you know, is, is a very logical way in. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, the conversation last night obviously... You know, there are there are negative perceptions, or people have had some. You know, some of that I think is legacy. Yeah. Um, but I think what I really like, particularly from you guys as a sector, I think you're so willing to listen. I think that's w- that's what comes across loud and clear to me that you you know, and I think you look you're a lot more commercially minded now than perhaps maybe you were. Ten years ago.
0: Yeah, I think the sector's moved on a lot. I think we've we've had to become commercially minded. And I think around the part of listening and, and you referring to the to the chat last night and we'll put a link to the guys when they listen to this so you can kind of revisit um what Kevin's referring to. And it is around that that we we have to engage and we have to understand what's wrong and, and we have to try and see how we can collaborate, like you were saying earlier, and work to to make that better. So you've kind of touched upon there around your perceptions of us as a sector as well and i've I've been very clear in the perceptions that i feel that probably the agency sector has what so a bit on that a bit more what do you think we do really well from a from that kind of thing or a sales perception or how how we engage or what we do and, wh- and where do you think we've got a bit of a way to go where do you think we can do better
1: i think that what i particularly like um from certainly some of the stuff that I've seen um there's obviously been some really innovative marketing campaigns that I think you guys have done Mm -hmm. uh I don't think it's just been that you've been the bolt onto like a 106 deal on a site I think you know you're very much shoulder to shoulder um with the house you're certainly going toe to toe in terms of um standard of marketing Mm -hmm. um I think it is aspirational how you how you position it I think that's got a lot lot better as a sector um I think you know you're very accessible out of hours, probably sometimes a bit better than an agent okay. if, um, not all agents, but I think you know you've got you've got a grip of it, yeah. I think you've realized um, as an industry how uh, your audience want to engage with you, mm-hmm. whether that's whatsapp, text, live chat, you know all those other things. Um, I think you've got to get a bit better at communication, maybe generally around the phones. you know we spoke about that earlier yeah. on before we came on came onto to this um, and I think you know that's just generally you know where where we all need to i think there's a lot of lessons we could learn from the housing associations um, but i think there's also uh, a lot you guys can learn from us if you just give us the benefit of the doubt and and, and engage and uh, you know you've been very good and and lots of others have of actually wanting to listen mm-hmm. um, because i genuinely think that the agents can really bring a lot of value not all agents mm-hmm. but agents that, that that do think about the or put the customer first and um, I think that's where they come at it.
0: And where and so talking about that value because that's what we we look at when we're you know trying to sell something. If we were ever looking at outsourcing anything, it would be okay. Well, it's something that we can't do internally. We can't add that value. So, what value do you reckon of that we would see as a sector of kind of opening our doors in effect to your sector and saying, look, let's come and work a lot closer together, and let us give you some instructions and.
1: And well, I think, I think you've only got to look at some of the best relationships with house builders um, over the years. So if we talk particularly around sort of pre-launch or launch prior to show homes being available. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, most most of your average house builders are going to go and stick seven-day-a-week um, site manning on. Um, that's a that's a flipping big cost. Yeah. Okay, and I know from our conversations that we've had around sort of, you know, maybe when you are doing viewing slots or whatever, you know, maybe you're doing it on an allocated day or time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, that might not work with the buyer. So I think, you know, take the agents, first of all, they're there seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, their offices are generally open longer than most others on the high street. So um, that's, that's time and effort, um, that they could actually be giving you uh, your products a lot more 24-7 coverage. I think that if you look at the amount of uh, buyer, buyer activity or just, you know, public interactions they're having on a day-to-day basis, I think that's considerable. Uh, you've only got to look at what the size of the databases are for a lot of these agents. So, you know, the tenant, OK, might have been a tenant and then got off and you know, had a job move or went off traveling for a year. They've come back. Maybe they're renting somewhere else, but they're still in an agent's database system. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a lot of uh, a lot more acceptance around how that can be used as a tradable. Um, and I think that, you know, just generally sort of shouting from the rooftops in a, in a community that this is a really good thing. Um, we see that a lot, particularly when that new house builder rocks into a town. Maybe they're going to try and sort of push push the envelope of boundaries in terms of value or um, you know what the overall proposition is. So I think this sort of ringing endorsement from a trusted advisor in the in the community I think has got a huge amount of value as well. Um, and don't forget, you know, sometimes when we're going into into towns as as developers and um, you're doing doing land opportunities, sometimes they're very close knit communities, and if you're an unknown actually aligning with somebody who is a prolific or trusted i think has got a lot more value as well so i think there is a lot there is a lot more that we could we could play with that
0: okay brilliant so i suppose a bit of advice then um to our listeners and the sector if they were to go and you know interview or go and speak to some agents about taking on some stock and stuff what what would you say you know they should be asking what does good look like what what kind of service should they be getting um and what would be a bit of a red flag to you as that's not the right agent to be engaging with
1: the the first one for me is around culture in the business and the quickest way to establish that is going to be through some form of mystery shopping yeah um we talk to our agents and in turn talk to their staff do a lot of webinars around this about creating a new homes culture Mm -hmm. so you know that that negotiator in the branch who's sort of under pressure that week to you know get mrs Miggins's house uh sold you know where does the new homes development or where does the shared ownership um product where does that sit in that conversation mm-hmm. well a very quick way of killing that off is you know um, you know very open question around and would you consider a new build or however else that may that may sit mm-hmm. i think um you know the obvious red herrings for me would be around, right, can we talk to, you know, can we talk to your staff about how they understand shared ownership? Mm-hmm. Talk, talk to me about it. Yeah. Um, and you're either going to see the colour of their eyes go very white very quickly because um, they're blagging it. Yeah. Um, so I think there's some things there. Um, but, yeah, I think overall, you know, from the agent's point of view, yeah, I think it's sussing out the culture that you – and you'll detect it. Mm-hmm. You'll smell it a mile off um, – and particularly in terms of how how much more innovative they might be in their own marketing. Yeah. So what are they doing? Um, you know, we see some absolute howlers um, <laughs> as we go around the country. Which you know, on the facade, you know, you might look at the website; it looks great. But you know, you rock up at the branch, and I always use the theory of like you know the restaurant. You wouldn't go into the restaurant with the dirty windows and the paint peeling off the windows. Yeah. Um, so you can you can create a false impression of your brand just by a shiny website, but actually get right under the skin of it. You know, how many, how many houses are they selling? How many are they renting? What's the size of their databases? Some really good sort of KPI questions, I'd say, of, right, you know, talk, you know, don't tell me your story, show me your numbers. Yeah. Um, I think that's the, that's where I'd be playing it.
0: Okay, that's, thank you. Um, and I suppose just to try and uh, bring to a close, what, so you're obviously operating in these open markets and, and these commercial markets all the time, how do you think the next 12, 18 months is going to play out in terms of what the market's going to do, house prices? Wh- how do you, where do you see that going?
1: I think there's reg- there's massive regional variances. Um, one of the big numbers that we sort of are tracking on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis is around um, new listings that are coming on across the whole of the UK. Mm-hmm. Okay, So as a classic example, um, Certainly, through from July last, uh, July two thousand and nineteen, through to sort of early February, we were very much looking at what was the number of stock or the amount of stock that was being released by house builders onto the onto Rightmove, and then the speed of reductions, and then how that might have sat in terms of stock position um, for year ends and stuff like that. There was a real disparity on some of those numbers, certainly pre uh, pre pre the election. Without question, we've met with most of all of our uh, agency members over the last six weeks, certainly since, since we've been back. Mm-hmm. Um, and the overarching feeling is massive uplift, really strong mood in the camp that um, is very positive for the next 12 months. What impact that's going to have on house values, I don't think anyone knows. Um, I think it's going to be a supply and demand situation. We've seen some locations where there's an absolute abundance of a certain level of stock. So obviously that's naturally having an impact on rate of sale and obviously the value or uh, you know the net prices that are being achieved. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, overall there's an optimism around it. There's a huge amount of um, unbuilt consented sites from the last three years. Um, we've seen a gain since the election, massive uplift from vendors engaging, either saying actually, do you know what, we're not going to build, mm-hmm. um, find a buyer. So I think, and also from the main house builders, if all without exception, have got an immediate land requirement for consented sites so I think the competition in that market is going to be pretty strong mm-hmm. um, and interestingly they've really lowered their numbers in terms of um, you know, the size of site they want maybe because they don't want to be so exposed in terms of big volume so I think, I think it's going to be an interesting 12 or 18 months I think it's going to be really exciting Yeah. Um, I think it's full of opportunity I think there's a huge amount of tenants um, that want to buy I think there's a lot more uh, general momentum that people want to get on with life mm-hmm. and um, you know bring it on really I think it's I think it's going to be good
0: thank you and I think that's a really nice place to to end and I hope you've got an insight into the other side of and what is this property market sector and one that we probably always shy away from but i can kind of vouch for the guys in the network and and they definitely have a different view on stuff and are very supportive and actually really want to understand it and engage so i mean if you if you guys want to talk to them more in depth please reach out to kevin we'll put his contact details when we release this and equally if you come to his office they've got a really cute dog and and in the fridge there's beers which they will give you i've not had one today so don't worry but That's a friday um, <laughs> thing. it's a friday thing so come on a friday there's a dog in beautiful scout like the cutest thing ever and they do make good coffee too so um yeah please do engage with kevin because he's been great in coming forward in this sector and i think actually with a bit more collaboration we could probably do some some great things so thank you very much
1: thank you Thanks.